Okay, welcome to Free Association. And the piece I want to play at the moment is a conversation between Ryan Christian and Whitney Webb. It's from 2020, so it's an old conversation, but it focuses on important topics. And I'm, I'm going to see if I can follow up on the New York side of the smart cities contracts that they talk about, because that should be fairly easy to to figure out who got the contracts and what's happening with it. It's, it's worth a follow-up. So if I remember and I've got time, then I'll do that. If not, it's I'll ask ChatGPT to do it for me, and it can it can do the follow-up for me. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a good conversation. I'm suspicious of Ryan Christian, and I'm quite suspicious of Whitney Webb because they 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 do have a tendency to go around in circles a little bit, particularly Ryan Christian, but. This conversation, I've listened to about 20 minutes of it, and it's worth putting some time into it. He's much better when he's got a good guest because he's got somebody who can direct the conversation and stop him going round in circles. Uh, so he is much better when he's got a good guest. If it was Catherine Austin Phipps or Whitney Webb, then it's okay. The rest of the time, he rambles and he gets himself confused and he goes round in circles. So I don't really bother with him the rest of the time, but when he's when he's interviewing somebody who's reasonably good, then it's worth a listen. So here's the here's the show. This is from mid twenty twenty. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, May 20th, 2020. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a great show lined up for you today. We have Whitney Webb joining us right off the bat, staying with us throughout the show today to go over some of the many different varying crazy things that we see going on today. She had a fantastic article in regard to kind of an interesting tie-in of a lot of the different things we've always been talking about on this show in particular, in in particular in regard to Israel and the seeming influence of that government in, in regard to ours, as well as how it ties into coronavirus and merging together, possibly from plans that they had existing from long before that. So we're going to get into that in particular today. We're going to go over that focus and we're going to end today with a lot of kind of just a hodgepodge of different topics around coronavirus and other things and a little bit of foreign pulse at the end and as i said whitney will be joining us till the end so we can have a nice little conversation today so welcome to the show whitney it's always good to have you on hey thanks for having me back on always a pleasure i think we have some great conversations now before we get into your article which is the which will be the bulk of the show today i wanted to start off with something just to kind of just interesting take that's tying with propaganda, deception, the two-party paradigm, but just something to get your take on in general. Because we have it's crazy how much this is happening today. So we'll quickly share the screen here so we can see this. Now, first, this was a tweet that I saw. This was on the 18th. U.S. government loses landmark vaccine lawsuit. And I said, hey, that's great. Let's see what this is and check it out. And then I very quickly noticed tap Newswire. And it's like, OK, well, it's probably not something that we're going to be you know, solid, which tends to be from places like that. But it says forced vaccinations now can be legally stopped. 
there's been no quality control for 32 years. So, okay, first you, you know, you go to find, go click on this website and you can see that this is, all this is claiming that it's May 18, 2020. And this is all, you know, and this is where you find out the site links back to another site, which links to another site, which links to another site and on and on and on to the one person that posted it somewhere without any due diligence, because you come to find out that this is actually about a lawsuit that was in 2018. As you can see at the top, the high wire with Dell Bigtree. U.S. government loses landmark vaccine lawsuit. This is from Dell Bigtree and RFK Jr., right? So the concept is this was a lawsuit that they was that was filed, and I just recently talked about this on the show, in fact. It was ICANN, the Informed Consent Association Network, and what they essentially did was submitted a FOIA request to get the Every two years, the Health and Human Services Department is required to submit these safety uh, investigations, and they weren't. And so they submitted the FOIA request to prove that, and they drugged their feet for eight months until they were finally forced to, and it turned out, guess what? You probably saw Whitney. They didn't They didn't submit anything since 1986. Not a single safety report for any vaccines, which, by the way, makes this a huge story, which I was actually angry I didn't even know about in 2018, which shows you how much this stuff is suppressed. But the point is that it's now being reposted. This is a guy reading about the lawsuit. And yes, this video is also from 2018. But look what the title says. Victory. Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, and Big Pharma lost a massive wow. Supreme Court case. And what? Check this out. Almost a, it's, and it looks, a I mean, ton let's look, of views. Let's look at where yeah. it is now. This is okay. So it's it's gone up, what, 10,000 views just since before we started. 726,000 views, May 14th. Right, so this means the person who posted this either has di didn't care to do even the smallest amount of due diligence to find out when it was from, or they're intentionally, I argue, mm -hmm. intentionally deceiving people. Now, if you believe that Bill Gates and Fauci and everyone is the biggest problem, and I think that's partially true, why would you have to lie about it to sell your agenda, right? But the point I'm getting to is I keep saying this is happening on all, all sides today. The left is lying about the right because they believe they're lying for their truth and the right's doing the same thing. So they're all lying and they all think they're on the right side. So I just want to get your take on how this is happening today because it's so prevalent. That we, and I, I want, I hope everyone will watch my show from yesterday to realize why this 2018 lawsuit is a huge deal and does actually relate wildly to what's happening today. But why are people lying about this stuff? And we've seen this all across the board. So what's your take and on this particularly and how this is happening everywhere seemingly today? Right. Well, I think this is definitely a big um, give, uh, like a gift, you know, to like, quote unquote, mainstream fact checkers who want to discredit people who are critical of, um, you know, who are critical of the vaccines, particularly for coronavirus and in the past, um, or of Bioport's anthrax vaccine, which is one of those that hasn't had any like safety uh, studies on it done by HHS like ever, you know. Um, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, it sort of perpetuates what is, I think, is increasingly becoming a myopic focus on just Bill Gates and just Fauci, which is kind of similar to how, like, establishment figures in the right, you know, would only use, like, someone like George Soros, for example, as a boogeyman, and he's, like, the only bad billionaire, right? And they don't talk about the other bad billionaires. And so we're, I think we're increasingly seeing, you know, Gates and then, like, Fauci as being the ones that are the focus of this when there's a lot more people involved. Um, and they deserve attention too, like Robert Cadlick, um, you know, some of these scientists that are like, have their hands in a lot of these, you know, uh, companies that are going to get uh, uh, tons of money from these so-called cures and things like that. You know, they're not getting any media attention, but anything related to Gates and Fauci is just dominating everything and letting a lot of these other guys able to slip under the radar and do a lot of the dirty work, you know? And then, so we're just paying attention to Gates and stuff like that, but he's, you know, he funds tons of stuff. 
So it's not, you know, I, I think it sort of does a disservice in some ways. And obviously, if you're, um, you know, get caught in a lie or something or, or in, in an accuracy by a fact checker, they use that to discredit any legitimate criticism of Gates or Fauci or any of those people. So, um, you know, it's, it's disconcerting. And I, you know, I, I wish people like that would at least issue corrections. I mean, sometimes those types of stories like get your attention and, you know, you know, even in the past, like I, you know, had ish, like made mistakes and, but I always like, when I find out about it, I like, you know, issue a correction or something, but some people are just like, well, this has like 700,000 views. So I'm just going to leave it and not say anything because, you know, yay for my channel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think there's a part of that. That's why I pointed out my tweet, this, 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 I mean, look, this subscriber, they went up almost a thousand subscribers since we looked at this video, but they have under 10,000 when this started, you know, 700,000 views. And also we should point out that this is an obviously misleading video that's patently false based on the title. YouTube has no problem with that, of course, because it doesn't mm -hmm. hurt their agendas, right? So it's it's so clear that it goes both ways. But the point should be, as always, as, you're as you made clear there, that this simply claiming that pointing to just Fauci and Gates is is reductive to a ridiculous degree does not mean that they're not part of the problem. And that's how the two-party right. paradigm effectively gets people missing the full picture because it's that black and white. You argue that this is not the truth. Well, then you are on the wrong side. It's just, it's meant to get people pitted against each other. But this, I, th there's another one we just recently talked about in regard to that vaccine study where the person was saying that it's a vaccine to stop religious extremism. Remember in the video, they said, it's Bill Gates. Same thing happened. Not, wasn't Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. It was actually a lot older than they made it out to be. The point guys is that people are trying to deceive you at every single level, even people on your side, as it were. So we need to realize that that's happening and be very skeptical, you know, just due diligence people. That's what this is really all about. Now on that note, on the idea of deceptions and, and manipulations and possibly the grand one that we're currently experiencing, there's something going on around all of this and and, and uh, many things obviously, but in, in particular what we're gonna talk about today. And I think this is really interesting. Yet another thing that Whitney Webb has come across that really highlights how every single thing they're seemingly jamming through right now is something that they've been planning from before, something that they had on the books that they just said, perfect, we'll use this current situation. And this one ties back to a certain government that is clearly tied into some of the worst things that we've been seeing happen in this country for, I mean, in living memory, as far as I can tell. So first I will show you this fantastic article. And I really hope that you all, as always, will take the time to read this for yourselves in its entirety. It's entitled, Media Ignores Israel Connection to Eric Schmidt's Push for New or for, excuse me, uh, for New York smart cities. Now you guys all know about smart cities, hopefully, and internet of things and this whole concept, even 5G tied in with all of this is something that is alarming to say the least. Eric Schmidt being someone tied to Google and all the different usual suspects, of course, Cuomo, New York, the whole thing. And this ties back to the idea, and I'll, I'll actually just open with what you said. It says, with New York uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo recently announcing that former head of Google, Eric Schmidt, would lead an effort to reimagine, as we recently talked about, post-pandemic life in the state, which I guess is a foregone conclusion now. Media reports have failed to note that the groundwork for that reimagining was laid last year and intimately involves the state of Israel. So tell us about this, Whitney, and tell us how far-reaching this is and why we should be alarmed by it. Right. So not long after my my report on, on Eric Schmidt heading this National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence and all the plans that they had from last May uh, to basically like remake American society, uh, Andrew Cuomo of New York appointed Schmidt to head a 15 person panel that's going to, quote unquote, reimagine life in New York after coronavirus. And one of those things 
that Schmidt is, is set to promote is something that uh, he, when he was head of Google, was very um, uh, intent on promoting as well um, through Google's subsidiary uh, Sidewalk Labs, which is the creation of smart cities. And um, smart cities, New York has been slated to begin construction of smart cities since last year. And that happened uh, during Cuomo's uh, la trip last year to Israel. And he made an agreement with the Israel Innovation Authority, which is part of Israel's uh, economic ministry, essentially. And um, uh, this uh, innovation authority in, in New York, um, a, a body of it called the Empire State Development, um, came together and they were like, okay, we're going to do this partnership and we're going to build smart cities together. But as time went on, it became pretty clear that it, um, the smart cities are going to be built in New York, not in Israel. So, it, I mean, it depends on how you would, you know, define partnership, right? Because the idea is that what this um, plan uh, from last July is to make five smart cities in New York City like uh, or begin the infrastructure for them and that New York based companies and Israeli companies will compete for that. And then in Israel, there will be test bed sites set up, but not smart cities. OK, so basically these you know companies from these two countries will are, are from New York and Israel will be involved, will be competing for contracts to build different um, smart cities in New York state, essentially. Now, and um, in, reg in regard to the financing of it, which I found really interesting, you mentioned in the article that there's a discrepancy between what New York and Cuomo are arguing is what is what the money is, where it's coming from and where it's going versus what Israel is saying. And I always point this out that you and, and historically speaking, <laughs> it tends to be what Israel claims that ends up happening. So in this case, we're, see, we're seeing New York saying that it's essentially going to New York companies, whereas Israel saying it's going to Israeli companies. And I argue that even the New York companies yeah. are Israeli <laughs> companies in New York. Right. So can you elaborate on that for me? Yeah, it, it's New York based companies, so they don't have to be. Um, companies that are like owned by Americans or New Yorkers or that employ largely New Yorkers. They just have to be like registered in New York. They don't even necessarily have to have like their main offices in New York, but they have to have like a presence there. Um, and what's interesting is that the guy that's heading the New York side of this at uh, this Empire State Development, the head of that is a guy named Eric Gertler, who is part of this major pro-Israel lobby organization called... Um, I can't remember the the full name, but it's a, it's in the article, like the America Israel Friendship League or something like that. And this Gertler guy is um, basically um, really close to this uh, media mogul in New York that was tied into Epstein and Robert Maxwell and a bunch of other guys named Mort Zuckerman. Um, and, and he's like on his trust board of trustees. He used to co-publish the New York Daily News with Zuckerman and all this stuff. So this guy is like a really... Um, you know, big Zionist guy that's making the decisions about which New York based companies and which Israeli companies win the contracts contracts there. So, you know, I would argue that's a um, conflict of interest. And just as the lockdown began in New York is when this smart city partnership went live and was launched. So it was announced last year, the groundwork for it was laid. And then on March 18th is when it was first, um, you know, calls for contracts were first launched. They're going to pick which five cities in New York besides, you know, New York City itself um, are part of this, you know, five smart cities that are going to be built and they'll be announced in July. And then at the end of the year, they'll decide everything and then start implementation of it in 2021. 
here here's the part that you mentioned, and this is a, this is really interesting here. So Eric Gertler, president and CEO of the Empire State Development, which is obviously sounds like it's you know Americans would think this is an you know not an Israeli led effort was nominated to the position shortly after Cuomo announced the New York-Israeli partnership for the smart cities. And I also think it's interesting, as you made clear in the article, again, this was something that they kind of were testing the water with that Americans were very resistant to. Now it's all perfect because you're all too afraid to say no, right? And it says that um, notably, he also is the, as you mentioned, the chairman of the Israel America-Israel Friendship League and on the board of governors for the Tel Aviv University and Israel's uh, Techno Techne uh, Technion, which is their Institute of Technology, <laughs> as I understand it. And, yeah, it's and like their MIT equivalent. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's perfect. That fits in perfectly. <laughs> and then it says that he, uh, then it says that he has uh, long-standing close ties to Mort Zuckerman, as you mentioned in the article, Zionist media mogul who recently came under fire for his ties to Jeffrey Epstein. All full, full mm -hmm. circle. So important to point that out. So anything you want right. to mention then before I wanted to get on the smart cities discussion, but I'm sure there's things that you could talk about. Right. Well, um, well, related to this uh, innovation partnership for smart cities, it's worth pointing out that Israeli media says that New York State is giving money to Israel's innovation authority and to Israeli companies, right? Um, whereas the New York government website says it's one million to New York-based companies and one million to um, Israeli-based companies. So it's kind of odd that there's this huge discrepancy of who's really footing the bill. Um, but given what we're going to be talking about here in a second, that's also in the article, the Cyber NYC initiative, that is 100% funded by American taxpayer, New York taxpayers, and the only beneficiary of that are, you know, Israeli companies exclusively. Yeah, and, and this is something you've written about, as you point out in the article, the, the, it's right here, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem Venture Partners and Sosa are the two companies that are essentially driving this. And it's and again, it's it's crazy to think of any situation where you have a foreign country using US government resources or just American resources or US, United States citizen resources to drive an agenda which then entirely benefits Israeli companies and Israeli people. I mean, that's in what other circumstance in the world does that make sense or is that even something that people would be like, yeah, that totally adds up. I mean, it's just crazy. If this was any other country or group that the U.S. government didn't like, this would be absolutely unacceptable. I mean, the U.S. government right this moment is trying to stop Iran from shipping oil to Venezuela or normal gas line projects between their allies and someone they don't like. And yet, you see what I mean? It's just, it's outrageous that this is something that's pretended to be acceptable. Now, you, you can uh, note on the idea of your cyber reason tie-in with all this as well, if you want. This is the, the same kind of tie-in to all these same groups, within, which then leads into the Team 8 discussion, which I find even more interesting. Right. So the, what we're talking about today, Cyber NYC, the Smart Cities Partnership, this is just scratching the surface of these partnerships with Israel that Andrew Cuomo has created just over the past like year or two. It is um, just insane the amount of um, sensitive infrastructure that is being given um, you know, over essentially to a foreign power and that this whole push to remake the economy, at least in New York, is being done in such a way that a lot of the power, um, economic power, is shifting into the hands of foreign companies. I mean, it's just really alarming. But we'll, um, we can get into that um, here, here in a second. But the, the smart cities thing, we're going to have to see how it unfolds and who wins the contracts, obviously. But the fact that you have this Gertler guy choosing which companies um, win and, and lose, you know, um, you know, it definitely 
um, leaves room for, for, you know, healthy speculation that it was is unlikely to be um, a majority of American companies that benefit, or it's unlikely that it'll, it'll be 50-50 split between American and Israeli companies like this partnership was advertised to be. And you mentioned in the article that these individuals themselves say that this is entirely a means for providing Israeli cybersecurity companies, and this is at Cyber NYC, excuse me, a foothold in the American market and as a a springboard for their global expansion. This is what they, this is the same point I just made, that this is what Israelis and the government tied individuals are saying openly. And yet we get told an entirely different thing from our government and people in our authority positions. It's just so staggering to see. Well, right. Well, Cyber NYC is a separate initiative. So I want to stress that so people don't confuse it. The, the, The Smart Cities Innovation Partnership was last year. The Cyber NYC initiative was first announced in 2018 and was launched in February of this year, right before all the coronavirus stuff. And what Cyber NYC, they said it was about, was about making New York a leader in cybersecurity and creating 10,000 high-paying tech jobs. But these two centers that were supposed to create all these jobs are managed by two Israeli companies that are Israeli government contractors and also contractors to Israel's military. And have ties in with all these, you know, um, Israeli intelligence, yeah, like Unit 8200 startup companies. And this, the heads of those companies, when they were asked about Cyber NYC, instead of saying this is, you know, a partnership or it's going to be equal benefit for the U.S. and Israel, they say, oh, yeah, this is about um, getting Israeli companies into the American market so their products can be adopted by American businesses and to use as a springboard for their global expansion. You know, move them from, you know, they they get all this money from, the way a lot of these startup like incubators work is they get a bunch of money from Israel's government and then to expand their market, they, you know, what this is ostensibly going to be used for based on the people managing it, um, move some of these startups into these centers and then uh, they become embedded in the American market and from there they expand to other countries. And and you had mentioned you just mentioned the incubator, so let's touch on the teammate aspect because this is what we're what we're hitting on here. And this is one that says initiative directly involves this is Cyber NYC participation of the UN 8200. And for those that don't remember, this is essentially the equivalent of the NSA in in Israel. The very like let's be re, let's be real as Americans. I think most of us would be alarmed if the NSA was involved with stuff that we're doing with our elections or the CIA was involved with our, but yet we have a foreign government's version of that involved with these kind of things. And it's, that should be even more alarming, but it's a startup incubator called Team 8. And I'll read what you said here and then you could talk about it. It says, and this is as uh, Whitney wrote for Mint Press when she was there, it says Team 8, particularly in in, uh, presence in New York, and, and on a side note before I forget, I'm interested to see where this these five cities, smart cities, end up being put, at, you know, impl- Im, uh, implemented. I'd be very interested to see if they ended up being all the locations that are somehow connected to coronavirus. I don't know what that would actually mean, but that's something that finds interest to tie in with all of this. Now it says teammate, particularly in its presence in New York, has long been associated with the push by pro-Israel political donor and American hedge fund manager Paul Singer and Israel's government to make Israel the global cybersecurity leader as a means of preventing countries from boycotting Israel over human rights violations and war crimes that, by the way, the UN is very open about saying are absolutely happening. Team 8's role in Cyber NYC will see them not only finance part of the initiative, but also training cybersecurity workers who will be hired as part of this partnership. Now, again, this is about NYC, not this, they're, they're different as you pointed out, but the point is this over obvious 
over this overarching constant influence from a foreign government, whether that's Israel or anybody in this case, Israel, which should be alarming to us. And now it's seemingly tying in with what all that's happening today. So what are your thoughts on Team Aid and how, and how does this all apply to what we're dealing with now? Well, there's there's two separate parts to that quote you just read. So one is this policy that was created jointly, essentially, by Paul Singer, um, who's a New York-based hedge fund manager, um, an all-around uh, horrible human being, and um, Netanyahu's government in 2012. And the goal of this was to prevent countries, specifically specifically the U.S., from supporting BDS um, because they wanted to make it so it was impossible to boycott Israel by basically enmeshing so much Israeli technology or startup companies with big U.S. tech, like with Silicon Valley, essentially, and essentially fusing um, or, or having a bunch of these startups get acquired by giant Silicon Valley tech companies. And a lot of those tech companies now have like their major R&D centers based in Israel or like Intel, for example, a lot of the chips that are in most computers today are like designed in Israel, uh, Amazon, Apple. I mean, it's just uh, Microsoft especially is probably the most, uh, you know, in deep. Um, out of out of all of the companies mm -hmm. you mentioned in the article in regard to Israel in particular having a very obvious track record of spying and and stealing from the US government so as screening <laughs> yeah. as we're screening <laughs> about Russian influence in China and they're spying with their technology it seems ridiculous to not at least consider that from Israel or allies seeing as how the US does it to seemingly everybody as well I think that's pretty ridiculous yeah, I mean, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but like I said, this BDS angle is just part of it. The other part of it is Israel, um, Netanyahu says this explicitly, it's about uh, securing Israel's position as the dominant cyber power, okay? So that they, as, as, the, mo as the world like moves into this new like super techno future, whatever, that Israel is the dominant force in that or an integral force, you know, that can't be boycotted or, or anything like that. And, you know, um, and since they have, are also moving along with these plans to like annex essentially all of what remains of Palestine, um, I think it's kind of, you know, uh, related because, you know, people may want, uh, rightly so, to boycott or, you know, uh, want Israel to be held accountable for trying to annex, like, you know, more than 60% of the West Bank. But the strategy here since 2012 has been to make that economically unfeasible for the vast majority of U.S. companies and U.S. states. So that's um that's one angle here. The So one of the um, uh, drivers of this, um, you know, enmeshing of U.S. Silicon Valley with these um, tech startups is that a lot of these tech startups are, are started by members uh, or I guess alumni of Unit 8200, which is like Israel's NSA. And this is facilitated by a series of state-linked incubators that specifically target or, or specifically promote um, companies started by these Unit 8200 graduates, right? So Team 8 is one of those. It was co-founded um, by a bunch of Unit 82 or like three Unit 8200 guys, including the former head of Unit 8200. Um, and they, they, they've been promoted by Paul Singer's Startup Nation Central, which is, you know, this vehicle that Singer started with, you know, initially with $20 million and he continues to fund it. Startup Nation Central is the vehicle for a lot of this tech transfer 
and in, in meshing of Israeli uh, tech companies and startups with with U.S. tech, right? So um, he's tied in. He has ties to Team Team Eight and has promoted them and all of this stuff. Um, team Eight. Um, has a very uh, established presence in the U.S. And recently they hired uh, Mike Rogers, the former director of the U.S.'s NSA and former head of Cyber Command, um, as one of their, you know, big advisors. And, you know, basically the reason they did that, according to former and current NSA officials, is so that Team 8 would know which markets to look for specifically um, in order to, you know, get more, even more enmeshed uh, with, you know, the U.S. tech scene, both in the private and public sector, because the guy was head of Cyber Command, you know. So, I mean, he knows the vulnerabilities, he knows the gaps um, that exist, and so that allows Team 8 to identify and, and promote Unit 8200-linked startups to then be promoted um, and funded and then to fill those gaps. And now they have this springboard, you know, that's being partially funded and trained by Team Eight in New York City. I don't. I, I don't get why people, anybody on either any side of the false two-party paradigm, cannot wrap their mind around how it's absolutely obscene to have a former intelligence officer, NSA, anything working with a company that's clearly tied to Israeli intelligence, but even more so, a company that's working on things that they will then be able to profit from. The information that Mike Rogers has. How is that not a, a some kind of a security risk for Amer for the U.S.? It government? is a security risk, but, but they don't they care. care. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's crazy. What's also funny is that for QAnon people, Mike Rogers is supposed to be like the greatest white hat of all, and here he is in bed with you know Israeli military intelligence and this whole um, policy aimed at undermining U.S. Uh, tech independence from foreign influence. That's essentially what this is. So um, what's worth pointing out too about Teammate is that one of its top investors is Eric Schmidt, the head of the National Security Commission on AI, the head of the panel to reimagine life in New York City, uh, former Google executive, right? That's pushing for the smart cities. He's heavily invested in Teammate. I so wonder crazy. why no one's covered that when they're covering how Eric Schmidt is involved on this, you know, is going to be heading this panel. Why don't they talk about his, it, and it's not just teammate, by the way, he's invested in numerous unit 8,200 incubators and startups. Um, you think they'd mention that, but they're not. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just outrageous to see this. I mean, the, the constant flow of this to see, you know, Eric Schmidt, the, you know, on the board in regard to the AI plan. So people can easily remember it in regard to the plan they're trying to use now is now, you know, all these constant ties back around that he is funding the very companies that are now driving the push to create the smart cities that he's using to implement his plan. I mean, it's it's just you it's impossible to believe that these things weren't orchestrated to some degree. And then even if you don't think that's nefarious, realize these people are in powerful positions and using policy and our tax dollars to drive those coordinating agendas. I mean, that's where, and that's nefarious at the end of the day, even if they don't have malicious intent, like they're, this is an abuse of power at the very least. And it's just outrageous. And as it goes on to say, as you said, they're, you know, he's set to reimagine at Cuomo's behest. In addition to teammate Schmidt's innovations endeavors fund is heavily invested in several Israeli internet of thing companies. So not only is the, right. you know, it just, he's invested personally in these, you know, so that's a vested interest in the success of these things. The conflict of interest is just, oh, that's obscene. That's a crime. I mean, I just pointed that out about uh, Salawi today, the so-called vaccine czar who, and we actually, I think I might've even had that left up here. 
I'm jumping ahead to see. Yeah, right here. Did Moderna just pull off a giant bait and switch company sell stock? I mean, they sold, you pointed it out. The guy sold, what, was it $30 million, $10 million? He made a bunch of money after they pushed his company to lead all this, right? And then they sell it all off. I mean, that is the most obscene, obvious, in-your-face conflict of interest, and then the illicit abuse of that conflict of interest that I've ever seen. And nobody wants to talk about it. I just find that to be fascinating in and of itself. I mean, it's really crazy. Oh, and here's the here's by the way was the image of Mike Rogers that I had it up for you guys to see, just so you guys can recognize. You guys need to see these people so we know who they are. You know, always across the board. But so the last thing yeah. I want to touch on, unless you wanted to go any deeper on on the idea of teammate and what they are, is in regard to smart cities. And just what it is exactly. And what, you know, just briefly, like what, for a lot of people don't know about what, why that's nefarious, what ties back to things and, and what they think, like, what's their logic? Why are they doing this right now? And why do they think this is going to help us? Okay. So smart cities is, is the basis for this whole, like data is the new oil economy. Cause basically what it is, is that you have internet of things, devices, all of the devices around you, things that are normally not connected to the internet, like street lights and traffic lights and like, you know, just basic infrastructure and stuff all has cameras with facial recognition and all of this stuff. The idea is to get this massive stream of data constantly fed into different AI algorithms that analyze that data and send it to technocrats who then micromanage um, everyone's lives and the entire function of society. It obviously um, erodes privacy as we know it. And basically, in my opinion, uh, makes cities giant prisons, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, um, Eric Schmidt as national security on AI, this is exactly what they want because they talk about how they have, to, uh, you know, force the implementation of these extreme, you know, data harvesting systems and uh, faster, you know, than China, or we will fall behind them and we won't be able to develop the leading AI algorithms and set the rule book and all of this stuff. But what has been left out of that discussion, you know, is that as, as I, you know, as this article points out, there's a lot of ties of this, not just to U.S. Silicon Valley or DARPA and the CIA's NQTEL, like on the National Security Commission on AI. There's a lot of involvement of Israel as, as well. And one example that I point to in the article is that Google, Eric Schmidt's former, the company he used to lead, right, um, is partnered with Cisco and Carbine 911 for its smart city infrastructure, among other things, right? So Carbine 911 is this company that was, uh, you know, is chaired and mostly uh, financed by former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak and also got like, you know, a hefty investment from Jeffrey Epstein and also Peter Thiel. And I talked about this in an article that I really urge people to go back and read. Um, for, I think it was in last October, it's called something like the CIA, how the CIA, Mossad and Epstein network are creating an Orwellian vision or, uh, or something like that. And it was about this drive to implement these solutions before coronavirus. It was all about stopping mass shootings before they start. Right. And so I, I basically go over all of that stuff there, but now they're doing, they're trying to implement the same thing because of coronavirus. And I think it's no coincidence that smart cities are getting a big positive PR push because of coronavirus. There's articles like one from two days ago in Wired saying that smart cities can slow future pandemics. It's just important to go back and revisit because I talk about um, this whole uh, policy between Paul Singer and Netanyahu that began in 2012, what it's led to and how it basically works. 
Um, but anyway, Carbon 911, basically what it is, is um, it, it's a smartphone app that um, harvests all this data from your smartphone and is connected to the 911 emergency services system. And the, the it has a built-in pre-crime functionality where it takes all this data off of your phone and predicts if you will be involved in a uh, future crime or be near a future crime scene. And it also, um, the plans for it in the future in, in its implementation in smart cities is not even to have humans call 911. It is to have street lamps or whatever, or these internet of things devices um, all call 911 for you if you know those cameras and AI algorithms determine an emergency is happening. So like that sounds um, right. very normal. <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely, just totally insane, frankly. Um, and you know, this is something Epstein was funding. I mean, Epstein's involvement in science and what he was funding in terms of science is very relevant right now because a lot of the scientists he was funding are also involved in coronavirus cures. And now a lot of the tech companies that he was involved in, because remember after he was arrested the first time, he tried to rebrand as a tech investor and got super involved with Silicon Valley and he was working for Israeli military intelligence this whole time. Another thing that's worth pointing out, Ehud Barak, who's like the chair of Carbine 911, um, has another company called Toka. And what Toka does is that it sells equipment to hack Internet of Things devices <laughs> to governments that Israel and the U.S. like. It doesn't sell it to rival states, only to our friends. And it's for law enforcement purposes so they can, you know, access any of your devices and take whatever they want without a warrant and without telling you. So, Nothing you know, that's safety. the others. Right, all for your safety, of course, <laughs> of course. So Ehud Barak is very involved in all of this stuff. And he's the guy that, you know, uh, spent the night numerous times at Epstein residences and went to his island. And uh, I'm sure he's just a, you know, he was there to sightsee. It's interesting to see the, the you know, Epstein's attempt to revamp his his perception, the perception of himself, you know, and it's like, as, yeah. as, as a tech guy, as, you know, interesting to consider Bill Gates' ties and how that could have been something similar. Well, here's, here's the reason for that in my opinion so his sexual blackmail operation uh nominally backed by israeli military intelligence though i think his real boss was this mega group that has ties to the u.s and israel right but anyway in 2012 like i said earlier israeli military intelligence unit 8200 is part of israeli military intelligence it shifts its focus right to this this tech stuff getting this tech stuff enmeshed in the u.s and epstein rebranded around the same time as a tech investor i don't really think it's that coincidental personally yeah. no, i completely agree I, that's what's interesting is to wonder to what degree gates or anybody else in these positions are the same thing and we just don't see it yet or maybe we're starting to see it today it's interesting to think about now before we get into that because i, I want to touch a little more on that in general i wanted to ask one last thing about the smart cities you know what why would you argue and i think the obvious is, answer is obvious but for those that may not be thinking this way why do you think the israeli government wants to build smart cities in this country as opposed to in their own country. What, why, what's the benefit there? What do they gain from that? To what end in your, in your eyes? Um, well, I don't really know, to be honest. I think there's a couple different ways you can speculate, but if the idea is to, you know, if, if this policy began as a way of making US companies dependent on Israel, this would make, that would take that dependency to a whole new level, right? Yeah. A whole new level and is a uh, pretty disconcerting. 
I would argue, because why are we giving that type of infrastructure control and having these these systems being built by foreign companies? I mean, like the implications for national security are are huge, um, especially when you consider, for example, um, I'll be talking about this a little more next week. Um, Team eight, among some of the other companies involved in here are partners of a company called Cyber Reason which is the company that last year and earlier this year were simulating terrorist attacks on election day uh, in 2020 and have a lot of really shady things uh, going on there. And their CEO is a former unit 8200 guy that says that his work is cyber reason is a continuation of his work for Israeli military intelligence. And this company cyber reason is um, very interesting for several reasons. One of which being that they run the antivirus software for a lot of the Pentagon, NSAs, and CIA's most classified networks. Oh, so it's not like a national security risk to have a company whose CEO says that he's technically like basically still working for a foreign government's intelligence service to basically have, you know, the antivirus running because antivirus, you know, on all these networks, because the antivirus has access to all parts of your computer. It's the ultimate backdoor. You know, and Israel has a history of using backdoors, like the Promise software being the first one in the 80s. And then there was Amdocs, Converse, Infosense, which is now Variant. You know, I mean, it's just like been going on for decades. So apparently that's fine. The other interesting thing about it is that their biggest investor is SoftBank. And this Schmidt-led National Security Commission on, on AI says in that presentation I wrote about, that there needs to uh, that there's two options, right? That we either have to leapfrog China, or we have to work with China and create a global federation of these, you know, Orwellian AI-driven tech companies, and that the backbone um, already for that federation already exists through SoftBank. So, <laughs> all very interesting, right? And then SoftBank has ties to people like. Um, uh, the the uh, Mohammed bin Salman of the Saudi Saudi Arabia put all all this money down for SoftBank's Vision Fund um, and you know ties to Kushner. Uh, he the head of SoftBank was super cozy with Trump when Trump was first elected and was involved with like Trump transition stuff. I mean all very very interesting to look at all these separate connections. But anyway, Cyber Reason will be uh, I'll be writing more about them next week and what they've been up to since I wrote about them last time in January. Yeah, and then we're looking forward to that for sure, because this is, I mean, this is, it's, 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 the history has to mean something. I mean, that, that, as always, I mean, that's why I always point out as Americans, we seem to have the attention span of a housefly. We can't really like wrap our minds around what just happened yesterday as it applies to today. And that's all because of social engineering. But think about Israel in regard to the verifiable history of them stealing nuclear technology from the United States. And think about how relevant that was. That was the leading thing. I mean, that was at the time, that was what you got. That was the the number one national security, right? I mean, that was what everyone's trying to get and reach and, and achieve. And they steal it from this country. And then not only do they not do anything about it, they cover that up. What does that show you, right? I mean, there's something going on there or the idea of, of Israel selling information to China that the U.S. is giving to them. I and mean, this is all verifiable stuff. Now, it's also a very contentious topic on this is the idea of what you're talking about there, something that even Donald Trump has brought up before, is this idea of dual citizenship that even he has brought up numerous times that we're not supposed to talk about. But the reality is that numerous Israeli citizens have verbalized themselves that they would prioritize 
their allegiance to the government right. of Israel over what they would be doing, even if they're citizens of this country. Now, that doesn't only apply to Israel and the United States. So it shouldn't be some taboo thing we can't talk about. That exists all over the world. But in this case, where we can clearly see an Israeli government influence on things like this involving national security, that should absolutely be allowed to be talked about. But we're not. Totally. Well, well, here's the thing. It's wrong to assume that just because someone is Jewish, they have loyalty to Israel because totally. there's a lot of anti-Zionist Jews right? A lot of people that are critical of Israeli policy that also happen to be Jewish. But what do you do with someone like Sheldon Adelson, who's on video, mm -hmm. literally on video, you can look this up saying, all we, talking about we, he and his wife, who's an Israeli citizen, all we care about are being good Zionists and citizens of Israel. And then he goes on to say, uh, it basically sucked that he had to serve in the US military because he should have served in the IDF when he wants his little boys to grow up to be IDF snipers. Yeah, right. And he's the biggest political donor in the U.S. right now, in Trump's yeah. top political donor that has major sway over his policy. Basically, the guy that got H.R. McMaster fired as national security advisor and then Bolton installed. Right. I mean, he, he when he calls the White House, Trump always takes his calls. Apparently, that's according to people like Alan Dershowitz, who's also buddies with Sheldon Adelson. You know, right. it's just um, it's really nuts. Um, And so the fact that, like, you have someone like Sheldon Adelson saying that on camera, but you can't be like. There's something wrong with that. You're the biggest political donor in the country, right. and you're saying that you know you don't really like us. <laughs> like it's kind of um, even just that's odd that you can't say anything. Even just pointing out that he said it is off limits, right? I mean, this video may be taken down just because we brought it up, but as you know, we'll never self-censor on this channel. But the point is that, as you mentioned, Edelson is. The, at 2016 as well, the leading contributor in regard to Trump, as well as the Republican Party at large. That's crazy to yeah. think about the influence there. But to, and to really, you know, and we don't have to get pitted in this conversation. We'll jump on to the next one. But the idea that we can talk about something like this and that then gets pitted, like couched in as we're talking about one type of group, you know, one, whatever it be, Jewish people, anything. And it's obviously not what we're doing. We're talking about the group, the, the Israeli government and how the influence they have over the US government and how certain people, not everyone, are clearly verbalizing that their allegiance is to one versus the other. This is basic data, right? It's so crazy that we can get pitted into a racial or, or you know, that kind of conversation. Anyway, I think the point of that is to make sure that we don't talk about these kind of things, but that's why we do it anyway. But so on the larger topic of this, in regard to the obvious, you know, Israeli government influence over all of this and the drive for smart cities and how our government is just as mixed up in all this, there's some information that we were going to get onto next that I thought was pretty damn alarming in regard to even more ties, but in regard to Epstein, in regard to a lot of different people that I know people are going to be interested in hearing about. So tell us more. So what we're going to be talking about now is an MIT scientist. There's an article about him that you can look up where it says, what do all these like COVID-19 cures have and have as a common denominator? MIT professor Robert Langer, okay? Um, I talked about him a little bit in my article um, on Moderna that was up on Monday, but if you scroll down here, um, it talks about um, how Epstein, right, uh, donated millions of dollars to MIT's media lab and that the head of that media lab was set to resign, right? But if you scroll down, you will see that this Langer character um, actually is on the, let's see, there, there it is, yeah, he's, um 
actually on uh, has a major role in the administration of that lab. So he was also involved in the decision to take that money, receive that money and choose where it goes. Right. So it's not just this Joy Ito guy that had to resign. Langer's also tied into this. Langer is also a major beneficiary of uh, funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And in my Moderna article, I point this out because Moderna, the mRNA vaccine company that's set to be the COVID-19 vaccine, um, that company was co-founded by this Langer guy. Okay, and Langer also was the guy that developed this quantum dot dye tattoo uh, to basically, you know, have you be like marked forever as having gotten this vaccine or not. And it can be read with a smartphone and all this stuff. And he's also the guy that developed these birth control microchips that are inserted into you and they can be controlled wirelessly. So someone with the remote control to this microchip and you can decide if you have kids or not. Pretty alarming. So that's the type of stuff that Langer is involved in. But there's more. We'll get into that. But it's important to point out that he was one of the beneficiaries of that dirty money but didn't get in trouble at all and it's it it seems to be an interesting um uh recurrence for langer that people around him seem to get in deep shit, but he does not somehow even if he's involved in that same stuff right so yeah. um this this joy ito guy didn't get in trouble there's another guy we'll talk about here wrapping up who worked very closely with langer and got in trouble but langer did not um worth pointing that out. So anyway, since Moderna's stock went up on Monday because of this like BS PR move about their unfinished study and results from that that weren't like of any real significance or me yeah, didn't really have any meaning, right? Um he's about to like, you know, he's a, a, about to be a billionaire now. It's 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 disgusting how obvious the conflict of interests are across the board, and no, and that's the if this was happening in a point like how often do we hear them point to Iran's leadership or Venezuela's leadership and say they're enriching themselves off the people, and yet this is exactly what we're staring at, and it's just the hypocrisy, the contradiction right. is present. Well, the the thing about Langer too, right, is that his quantum dot tattoo, right, and this birth birth control thing, these were all funded by Bill Gates, right. But if you look at like uh, independent media or alternative media reporting on this, they call these Gates initiatives. They don't really talk about Langer, okay? Um, but I think they should because Langer has his hands in a lot of pies and he's the guy using Gates money for this. And what's interesting too, talking about like Epstein and MIT ties, um, Gates, uh, there, there's an email that came out from this MIT media lab where it basically said Epstein directed Bill Gates, told Bill Gates, to give millions of dollars to the specific lab at MIT. So Epstein was telling Bill Gates, okay, to give money. Yeah, it, it's in this article on Business Insider for people that wanna look into that. Um, why would Epstein be ordering supposed one of the most powerful richest men in the world around, telling him where to give millions of dollars, okay? That's why I think it's very convenient, this focus exclusively on Bill Gates, because there's obviously people involved in the decision-making besides him, okay? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that applies this just to Fauci. one example. That's just for everyone out there. That applies to all this whole story, right? That there's, whether it's just Fauci or just Gates or just, you know, there's a lot more involved, as you're saying. And I, people really need to think about that because the two-party paradigm is stopping people from seeing the people on their side that are involved. It's always what it does. Right. And I think what's interesting, too, is that you're, if you're just tying this all to Gates and you avoid looking at people like Langer, you fail to see the other connections that explain a lot of the other stuff that seem 
that's going on right now that seem unconnected. But when uh, you look at someone like Langer, they actually are connected. So a lot of people may have heard about these micro needle arrays um, not needing to uh, be injected with uh, a needle to receive the coronavirus vaccine. You can just, you know, get a patch or, you know, you have some other like high tech thing that inserts it into your skin, right? So these devices were also developed by Robert Langer at MIT. But um, if you just assume that was only funded by Bill Gates, because it did, it was done with a lot of Gates money, you will uh, not notice the connection that this is in fact a company that was jointly developed by Langer and um, an Israeli university. And now, um, they are in business together marketing that, um, which is interesting, I, I would argue, especially considering that this is just one of numerous partnerships that Langer has with uh, the country in question uh, related to these types of vaccine technologies. So I think it is um, worth noting that. And there's also so another... Um, mm -hmm. how, well, how does... For, paint us a good picture for, out, for, for people who are new to this person in general, how he ties back in with all the stuff we're talking about today. How does Langer tie back in with the idea of the smart cities and everything and the coronavirus, and, and if he does it all? What's the connection there to the discussion? Okay. So, so Langer is the guy that's developed almost uh, the majority of the technologies related to the vaccine, including co-founding Moderna, right, mm -hmm. that are being sort of foisted upon the American public as these so-called cures for coronavirus um, that are, you know, uh, have been funded by Gates and also have support of the government because um, Langer also has ties to the U.S. government. He was uh, the U.S. State Department envoy for science that was sent to the state of Israel to forge science ties with Israel. He was also head of the top uh, advisory committee to the FDA when Bioport's anthrax vaccine right after the anthrax attacks was rushed through, thanks to people like Jerome Hauer, um, Robert Langer, also involved in that decision. So he's a guy that, that has connections to this to this group, and he's also intimately involved. Like I said earlier, there's that Boston Globe article that calls Robert Langer the common denominator among the majority of of COVID-19 vaccines and and solutions right now, including this this quantum dot tattoo, this microchip stuff, the nanotechnology used in the mRNA vaccines and DNA vaccines to push that genetic material into your cells. That was developed by him. Um, he has tons of patents. He um, is on the board and a co-founder of numerous spin-off technologies based on his patents, Moderna just being one of him. And he is largely funded by by Gates and, and some of these other people. Um, so aside from conflict of interest, we're basically just yet again seeing this, this incestuous relationship of agendas being driven under the guise of whatever's happening. Like, so why do they think that this is whatever they're doing other than the vaccine is somehow going to help us fight coronavirus. Like the, what the argument is the nanotechnology leads to something such as like a pre crime for medical kind of aspect. Is that where this is driving to? Right, right. Well, he, yeah, he's involved in a lot of that technology that has those applications and has these sort of like, you know, uh, transhumanist applications also, but are like medical advances and all of that stuff. I mean, he's really, or, uh, really involved in that, including this birth control microchip, which is like a population control family planning, right, type of, type of deal. This is exactly what you mentioned that, Bill, that uh, Epstein was clearly wanting to get involved in, like kind of, you know, putting his mark on, on humanity forever, mm -hmm. as well as the gate side of that and the other aspect that you just mentioned. You know, and there's, it's clear that this is all being driven towards things that they've been wanting to do for quite a long time. Now, Langer himself 
How does how does what are Langer's ties back to other than the envoy in regard to Israel? What what are, do, is there any other ties he has back to the Israeli government in general? Um, it, it's through uh, Israeli corporations. Um, though he was an envoy, like I said earlier, um, involved with developing like state science ties sent by the State Department to work with Israel's government, assuming presumably their minister, uh, ec economic ministry, and things like that. But it's mostly on the private sector side. Um, and there's a couple more connections into that. So that micro needle array or whatever that's going to be used in this uh, to, to deliver this coronavirus vaccine or what they're saying is going to be the vaccine, right? So the, the guy that's going to be making money off of that is Langer and this um, this uh, Joseph Cost of, of Israel, who owned this Sona Prep company, um, which is was spun off to market. Um, that device for mass use. But there's another one too. So that birth control microchip um, that I mentioned earlier that Langer created with Gates uh, money was also spun off into a separate, co separate company um, that is being developed in tandem with Teva Pharmaceuticals, which is Israel's largest pharmaceutical company. So here, um, for people that are interested, they can look at, um, at look at this article. The company that was spun off to market that birth control, implantable birth control, remote control chip um, is called Microchips Biotech, right? And this is, uh, it's being co-developed now by Teva Pharmaceuticals, which is Israel's uh, largest pharmaceutical company. And so those are the guys that are going to be making money from it, right? Not necessarily Gates, you know what I mean? So these are the people with the main with a lot of the profit motive for things that are going on. Um, it's worth pointing out, because uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals has also been in the news, but not for um, you know vaccine-related stuff or stuff related to Langer, but because of hydroxychloroquine, because they happen to be the largest manufacturer of uh, generic hydroxychloroquine, which is being heavily promoted right now as... Um, as like this cure-all for coronavirus, right? This is, yeah, this so, is an interesting part of the story because this is this is where you get into the uh, even in regard to Donald Trump, where you get into political incentive incentive uh, being incentivized politically to drive a certain drug versus another, and the, you find these interesting tie-ins of people like Buffett himself or people that are invested to some degree or driving it for like and this even in my eyes ties back to the concept you were mentioning the other day of this possible faction divide where it's not just about the drug mm -hmm. itself the control that that provides and the the infrastructure behind it so it's really interesting so explain go on about buffett and how that ties in with this because i find that to be fascinating. right so one so teva pharmaceuticals its major uh owner it used to be claridge israel which is the bronfman family which are you know like one of those mega group families right but they sold their stake and now they, they they're still in there um with the the bronfman rothschild and investment vehicle but they're not um they don't have as big of a stake as they did anymore instead warren buffett um, has one of the largest stakes in, in Teva, right? And uh, last year, Teva was in deep shit because they were losing a bunch of money, as you can see here. Um, and when actually Buffett announced his massive stake, uh, buying this millions and millions of shares um, in, in Teva, it was already an ailing company. It was already in trouble, right? And it was in even more trouble last year. And now... Uh, thanks to the hydroxychloroquine, its uh, stock has gone up considerably, which is interesting. And um, so Buffett is, is a guy that stands to benefit from that specifically. And if you go to the next tab, um, we'll talk a little bit about Warren Buffett. 
and how he is a trustee of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and has been introduced as Bill Gates' best friend at conferences. And there's actually a video on Bill Gates' website called Grillin' and Chillin' with Warren. I mean, that's how good of friends they are, right? And if you scroll down here, it says not only are they trustees, but in 2006, Buffett pledged most of his fortune to the Gates Foundation, Okay, so Warren Buffett, as a trustee, is involved, it even says here, in guiding the decisions of where Gates Foundation money goes, right? And so he has ties to Teva Pharmaceuticals, which is partnered with Langer, right? So, you know, it's not just Bill Gates, right? This is, um, uh, the hydroxychloroquine thing is set to benefit someone who's a trustee, right, of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and, you know, supposedly not, a, you know, on great terms with, with trump right but yeah which is interesting are. right but that's that's the fun that's the, the interesting part about this first of all it's almost like i it, the, the conflict of interest is so prevalent through this entire thing that it's almost like i'm like yeah yeah okay where's the story it's like 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 but that is it's like that's <laughs> huge right it's like the conflict of interest should be they should be charged for a crime but no one seems to care about this but then on, on you know the point that it gets interesting to me is so if we're on the surface level, seeing a possible divide between different factions, whether we're talking deep state or even just companies or whatever it may be, fighting for different agendas. How is it that we're seeing Trump promote this, whereas that would be something that Gates and Warren would be benefiting from? Yeah. You know, in that, well, in I that, think the, assuming that logic right. of the divide. Go ahead. Well, no, I think that I think the faction argument makes a lot of sense because you see, you know, groups like the World Health Organization who have their own ties to separate pharmaceutical companies. Uh, saying hydroxychloroquine is bad and you have people in mainstream media saying it's bad and then you have Trump and then like, you know, other people on on the right that are like pro-MAGA, you know, establishment, Trump supporters, whatever, saying like this is great and all that stuff. Um, and there's definitely some benefit here. And it's also worth pointing out that Warren Buffett is actually one of the major beneficiaries of the decision to bail out airlines that uh, took place because of coronavirus because he was heavily invested in airlines before coronavirus hit. Um and this and, is a pattern for Buffett. In 2008, note, he also though. got a bunch of bailout money then, too. It's important to note, though, on that same point, that Trump, interestingly, seem, again, seeing this weird crossover, was very adamant, as you remember, about the airliners, even, like leaning heavily into Boeing specifically, mentioning them over and over. So that's I, mean, I just find that to be an interesting crossover. So what are we seeing here? Why would Trump be promoting the things that are benefiting the Warren Gates side of this, right? As much as the, his supporters would never want to, to argue that there's any kind of connection between the two, Gates and Trump. But what are we seeing here? Is that what we're looking at? Or is there, what do you think? Well, I mean, you know, another major uh, stakeholder and and Teva is BlackRock, which was given all this money, uh, basically that the the Fed prints, and then it's given to BlackRock to just sort of like throw around, right? And then at the same time, this um imperiled drug company in which Warren Buffett has a major stake and BlackRock has a major stake, it's uh, troubles. It, you know, it was forty million dollars in debt last year. Um, you know, start to disappear because there's a huge demand now for this particular drug because Trump's promoting it, says he's taking it to prevent, um, you know, infect infection with coronavirus and all this stuff. So it definitely seems to be benefiting those people um, to a considerable degree. And it's, you know, I mean, the chairman of the board of Teva, for example, is a guy named Sol Bearer, who's also involved in a company with Robert Langer. And then Teva um, is co-developing stuff with Robert Langer that's funded with Gates stuff. And then Warren Buffett is on the Gates Foundation as a trustee. 
Um, and he's the main, one of the top stakeholders in, in Tiva, right? I mean, why haven't more people looked at these uh, connections? And it's just like, oh, Gates funded this and Gates funded that. You know what I mean? I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot more going on here. So I think we need to start looking at a lot of the scientists that were funded by Gates because there's a lot of overlap with the scientists that were courted by Epstein and the ones that were funded by Gates that are now developing coronavirus. Robert Langer is just one of them, right? Right, right. And he's the one that's about to become a billionaire from all of this. Of course. And so, and again, it, it's so crazy how many different directions you could take this. So should we, we talk for six hours about this whole thing. The, the, the <laughs> yeah. last point that I want to, that I want to, you know, touch on before we can jump on to a few last things, because I know you have mm -hmm. an obligation after this, is the is the tie-in, and I mean we have to see this crossover, and this is what we've what your work's been touching on, what what my show has continued to kind of press in this weird we, this crossover, you know, from you mentioned Dershowitz, Epstein, Harvard in general, nanotechnology, Bill Gates, the Israeli government. There's this weird overlap between all mm -hmm. of this. You just mentioned BlackRock, which essentially we should remember as we talked about on the show, basically took over the U.S. Treasury, which is a obviously Israeli tied company. Uh, you know, it's it's just mm -hmm. there's so many things being happening here. But the last point that I want to touch in, I what I really hope that the crowd out there can help us really figure out what it exactly we're looking at here is the tie with yet again Charles Lieber, which I found very interesting. You mentioned is interesting, interestingly tied to the person that you were just talking about. And this is something that right. maybe you can touch on for me and explain what those connections are. And I just I'm just baffled how we continue to scratch and continue to find this really weird behind the scenes crossover, which I think paints the picture of like an entirely different narrative of what really happened and what we're being told today oh, yeah. is a cover up in a some certain way. So go, go ahead and tell me about that. I'll bring up that page just to so see you guys can remember who Libra sure. is for those that might not have seen. Here's the, the guy we were talking about. So go ahead. Right. So I, I mentioned earlier how Robert Langer um, was, you know, tied into the MIT media lab that Epstein was funding, but didn't get any trouble. The guy that got in trouble was the, the other guy, Joy Ito. Um, that had to like, you know, was asked to resign and all this stuff, but Langer didn't get any flack for that, right? Well, another guy that Langer collaborated with on several occasions is Charles Lieber. And they collaborated on some of these, you know, um, Chinese-linked studies that Lieber is, you know, under fire for, right? Apparently because of his, you know, arrest by the Department of Justice, but nothing's happened to Langer. I think that's very interesting. Um, and um, I, uh, there's some links, um, that I, that I sent over about how, um, you know, some of the studies, some of the things they researched together, uh, specifically these um, cyborg tissues and things like that, these, these nanotechnology things um, that are getting a big boost because of coronavirus um, are, are now sort of, you know, um, re-emerging um, and becoming prominent. Um, but Lieber was, you know, co-developed a lot of this stuff with Langer. And as I pointed out earlier, a lot of the co-developers of the technologies with Langer then go into business with Langer and they set up these companies, right, where they're on the boards and they have all this stake in it and they make all this money like Langer did with Moderna, like he did with, um, you know, um, this uh, biotech company that's partnered with Tiva, among other ones. But um, Lieber and Langer don't have a company together, but they did co-create technology together. So I, I, I kind of am, am pushed to speculate that maybe a motivation for Lieber's uh, arrest, since we know that the Department of Justice is fabulously corrupt, right? Um, and probably had an ulterior motive for arresting Lieber, um, has to do with the fact that there was some disagreement about um, the money when it came to uh, the patents and how this technology would be used going forward. Because like I said, Lieber 
and um, and Langer uh, co-researched a lot of things together. And one of the things they co-researched together um, involved a massive team of Chinese scientists connected to the Chinese government. Right, remember Lieber is under fire for ties to um, you know a Wuhan university and not disclosing that and all of this stuff. But why hasn't anyone talked about Langer's ties? There's another Gates-funded guy at Harvard who I'll be you know talking about in a future report, so I don't want to name drop, who was also timed to Epstein. And he has a spin-off biotech company, and all of those investors are from China. But there that ha- he he hasn't been in tr- you know in trouble gotten in trouble for that. And he teaches at the same university Lieber was at and has all these conflicts of interest, you could argue, with, you know, China, but only Lieber goes to prison, right? I think it's very interesting. And I definitely think um, we're getting closer to figuring out what really happened, but it's still kind of hard to know. It's the same reason you see someone like Cadlick, who will continually find his way in and out of public office and continually be, in my opinion, proven to have committed crimes and nothing happens. In fact, he continues to get promoted, right? So same kind of thing here. Lieber seems to be, it would appear to be the straw man in some way, like the guy that's taking the fall here while he was working on, or maybe it's more, maybe maybe something's more going on behind the scenes. Maybe he was removed from the situation because, I mean, think about this. I thought of this the other day. You got people like Dr. Ishii from Japan that they took for, you know, the guy that was working on, you know, uh, the most disgusting human experimentation in regard to bio manipulation, bio, you know, war testing. This is the guy they took from Japan after World War II and put him to work, right? They took the Nazi scientists right. to work. So why would they arrest this guy working on the thing? He, this guy's like a leading scientist in nanotechnology and be like, oh, you're doing something bad with a bad group. We're going to arrest you. More likely, they're going to take him and say, now we're putting you to work for us in the same way, right? That Historically speaking, yeah. that's what this government does. But I just find it absolutely ridiculous that we can see this crossover between all the same people wor- literally working on exactly what they're trying to drive in because of coronavirus. And it ties back to the very person that's kind of the linchpin of this argument that there's some kind of Chinese effort to attack us with something. Or, I mean, it just it, it doesn't make sense. And then you get into the idea about what they were actually working on, the idea of nanotechnology, like virus size kind of things where – Possibly what we're talking about is some kind of nanotechnology experiment right now. Like, why wouldn't we consider something like that if they're going back to this page, if they're literally working on the idea of stuff like this, putting things inside of viruses, could that not mean? And we know that nanotechnology is the idea of driving something from the outside, right? Using this to create an action, create an agenda, create something, an outcome. So could Mm -hmm. this not be something we're staring at now that this was an experiment that went awry? or that was released or used, that this is really just something other than a virus. I mean, why can't we ask these questions today with everything we're staring at, you know? And I'm, I'm not asking you, I'm just saying, you know, out there, everybody, we should be willing to discuss these. But so based on this, before we jump on a couple more things before we left, maybe one thing before I let you go, what do you see from this, right? Like what's, what are you taking away from this tie-in from Lieber to, to Langer to all of them? To, to the whole thing. Like, what do you Right. Pay- so um, with Lieber specifically, I think um, I'm starting to think the reason he was arrested is because of a disagreement about how these technologies would be like spun off and privatized and how much of how much profit he would get and things like that. Um, I think it, it likely has to do with that, especially considering that like someone like Langer, when he co-develops these technologies and takes them to market, the person he co-developed them with uh, makes the company with him and he didn't do that with Lieber, but these technologies are still being implemented. Um, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Um, something I forgot to mention too, 
in terms of a lot of these technologies that, that Lieber and, and Langer have been researching is, is of interest to DARPA and has a lot of overlap with the DARPA stuff. And remember, um, as I mentioned earlier, Langer co-founded Moderna, um, which is a strategic ally of DARPA and was, you know, a lot of its initial funding came from DARPA, right? So it's definitely worth um, pointing that out. That there's a lot of confluence of all these different groups. Um, I guess you could argue up a specific faction or whatever if you want. Um, that are all sort of trying to, you know, use this crisis to their benefit to put, you know, all of these things they've been developing for years, um, whether it's, you know, the smart city angle and the technology angle or, you know, um, just privatized science and healthcare and all this stuff. I mean, it, it just looks like this is, um, you know, just being milked by this particular group of people, which is not really that big, but has a lot of influence and, you know, um, they're the ones that set to gain monetarily and also stand to gain just unprecedented control over human life in general um, because of everything that's going on right now. Yeah, very well put. And I think that we have to see like and it's that's what's important to realize that we have to see that this is not just one thing, in my opinion. There's a lot of multifaceted mm -hmm. agendas being forced in around all this. And like, for instance, right. just because we can see the Israeli government taking advantage of one situation, it doesn't mean that everyone in every situation is involved in that. You know, like that's always important to think about. Yeah. And one last thing to uh, to point out here uh, is I had this the the link to this guy's page. And it's just the same kind of thing we're talking about here. This crossover, right? Tal Zaks, the guy that we just you just mentioned in your in your report in regard to Moderna. Right. The mm -hmm. guy involved with all the it's, it's crazy, the crossover between all these people. You find out that he's one of his interests is Harvard University, which is not that crazy. But you just realize that there's this crossover between all of them leading to Lieber to to Epstein. Right. To all this stuff. And it's just there, there's something happening between all of this. And there's a reason these people continually get caught committing crimes. Don't go to jail. Right. There's there's an unelected power structure that's always existing behind the scenes. And we we really need to, to see that today. It's really important. Now, before I know you have to get going, I wanted to mention one last thing here. Since we're talking about all this stuff today, about all the things they're trying to drive in and everything they're trying to accomplish, we need to realize that right now the information that we're getting, and that could be faulty, right? People could be lying. They could be deceived. But nonetheless, the information we're getting from the same official sources they use to put us on lockdown are now saying that we're dealing with something that is based on the data the same or not less than the flu, which can get you censored for even uttering today. But that is what oh, the yeah. data is showing us. So how many people, This you can see, how many people die each day? All right, this is basic information. Cardiovascular disease, 48,000. Just go to the ones that are communicable, right? Communicable, yeah, that's how you pronounce that. Communicable. Uh, lower respiratory infections, 7,000, right? And that's just, you know, that's and that's flu, things like this. And you come down here, you find out that between December 31st and May 15th, 2,000 per day. Like right off the mm -hmm. bat, think about how crazy different that is to just the flu, right? But then you can go to May 11th to May 15th. So just a short period of time, the argument is it went to 4,000. And even April 13th to August, the peak of deaths, it says 7,000, right? So the idea is it's not as bad based on the data. Now, as always, that could be wrong for some reason. But why are we not allowed to talk about this and argue that if it is not as bad, how are the point is that they're using all of this to justify the actions we just went over. But if it's not as bad as the flu, where does that leave us? Right? It's pretty it's pretty crazy. You, you want to comment on that? I was going to show one. I, I know you have short on time. So <laughs> well, there's a lot of different things I can say about this, right? One is that I think increasingly people just don't care about the data. 
Um, number one, I think a lot of people made up their minds and became personally emotionally invested in, in what they decided when they when this was new and they were most afraid. And it certainly doesn't help that the media, you know, cable news every day will have like a counter of oh, this many dead today and this many new cases, even though they don't tell you how many of those are asymptomatic, which is a, an increasingly large percentage of people, right? So I definitely think it's about selling the fear. Um, and I think, you know, um, one of the reasons I don't pay attention to the data is, is because um, what I think is going on now, as Bill Gates himself sort of alluded to in that uh, odd interview he did with Stephen Colbert, is that he calls this pandemic one, there's going to be a pandemic two, and he specifically links pandemic two to the bioterror threat. And if you look at previous articles of Bill Gates, he's he he's asked about event 201. He plays it down. But guess what he mentions? He mentions Dark Winter. Of course. Yeah. Also talk about, interesting. Talk about a tie in, right? Yeah. All, we have all three of them. Say. <laughs> totally. And you have people like Robert Cadlick in powerful positions now. It's very concerning, especially when you consider that during the 2001 anthrax attacks, the first victim, Bob Stevens, they didn't think he had anthrax poisoning. They thought he had pneumonia or the flu because the symptoms of inhalation anthrax are very similar to the symptoms uh, described um, as, as being coronavirus symptoms in severe cases, right? So um, if, if you read the third part of the Engineering Contagion series, you will know that people like Robert Cadlick are totally insane. Uh, don't really mean to swear, sorry, but just total like crazy people who have spent like decades imagining all the horrible ways to murder people with anthrax. They're obsessed with it. Seriously. Like they just talk about it constantly, you know, and, and these people like William Patrick and all this stuff. And then you have people like Stephen Hatfield, who was William Patrick's protege going on Steve Bannon's pandemic war room show as like an expert about what's going to happen next you know, and all this stuff. I mean, it's just really odd. So I think they're just trying to, you know, let people try, see how people will react to this pandemic one. And then they're planning to go, you know, do this for pandemic two. And we've already seen, you know, Rick Bright, this whistleblower guy say the darkest winter is coming in, in at the end of the year and all this stuff, you know, it is just um, super disturbing to me personally. And I really hope that's not what happens. But I think, you know, what they're going to try and do is that when that second wave or this pandemic too comes, they'll be blaming the people who were rightly skeptical of what's going on now and use that as an excuse to censor people and to get people to ignore the opinions of, of critical thinkers, essentially, and be like, this is all the fault of the people who said this was like the flu and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, those are just some of my thoughts on this. I could... I could keep going. Um, it's just also just very um, upsetting that so many Americans have lost like their entire livelihoods for the benefit of these like technocratic billionaires that have wanted to remake society for years over something that is essentially, you know, as, as, as that data shows, you know, not as severe as we were told um, and it's just destroyed the lives of, of, of you know, tons of people. Um, it's just, um, you know, shows how they view us essentially. Yeah, absolutely. 
Now, I, I know you got to get going. So there's a lot of other things we were going to get into that I'll make sure and cover tomorrow. We'll jump through all this stuff. But I really there was really just so much great information that Whitney was laying down there for us. It was a really fantastic conversation. And I hope you guys will take what she was talking about to heart. The research is fantastic. There's so much out there that her work is exposing that I really hope you guys will pay attention to. So many people will dismiss things that they don't think align with their side today. But the reality we're going to end with is that people are being forced to do things that are against what they be, what they believe in, things that are against their constitutional rights, things that the government doesn't have a power the power to do, removing people from their homes, forcing people under the guise of contact tracing to you know stay in their homes or to isolate from their own families or to remove somebody from their house. This is where we're at today. This is where it's all leading to. And the reality being that we're talking about something that the numbers are now showing, whether you know based on the official information, right or wrong, that it's not as severe as we were told. The numbers, the actions haven't changed. They've continued to roll in the, the seemingly more severe actions as the numbers go the other direction, which needs to make people question people on all sides of our political system. We need to see that this is where it's going and see that all the stuff that Whitney laid out today, all the information is something that, as I've said many times, that they've always been planning to do. And this is just their opportunity to do so using you and your money and your livelihood. So hopefully we can wake up to that. Whitney, as always, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed the information you brought. And as always, welcome on anytime. All right. Thanks. My pleasure. And everyone out there, as always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Hi, I'm Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to, to serve our, our Treasure Valley communities. The El Paso Las Cruces communities. Eastern Iowa communities. Mid-Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we, we are concerned about troubling trend one-sided news stories plaguing our country. Plaguing our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish the same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 This is extremely dangerous to our democracy.